welcome back to the Med School Tutors Podcast, your resource for high-yield tips and proven guidance to help reduce stress and give you tangible tools for success from pre-med through residency and the boards. Let's dive in. Here with me today is one of our most requested and most beloved and most phenomenally experienced tutors, Dr. Emma Hussein. Emma, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. I am so excited to be here at the summit. My name is Dr. Emma Hussein, and my training is in orthopedic surgery. I've been working for med school tutors since 2010, but I've been teaching USMLE since 2003. So I've seen possibly thousands, but definitely hundreds of um, students. Some coming with a lot of experience, personal experience with students taking this exam and, you know, cumulatively over these years. And today, all I want to talk about is when it's time to take the exam, when you're ready to take the exam, and when you might need to postpone the exam. And um, this is something that I feel like a lot of students have struggled with along the way, and there haven't always been clear directives about perhaps how to approach this. So let's start by talking about NBME scores. So you'll probably hear from anybody that knows how to prepare for the USMLE that you need to take every assessment test you can get your hands on. So all of the NBMEs, both U World assessment tests, um, if you want to keep going with it, there is Kaplan tests. And sometimes you can find old exams that were retired from the nbme.org um, website, and you can do those um, too. But the key thing here is that it's not about one exam score. So first of all, what score should we be looking for on any of these practice exams? I would say that I am most comfortable with the practice test being a good indicator of my students passing when the score is between 215 and 225. Better than that, of course, is is always better. But I tend to set it at that range of between 215 and 225 is where I feel like you're going to pass and I'm not concerned. However, having said that, it probably or it definitely needs to be more than one exam that has those scores. So the amount of NBMEs that are available online ranges, but there's usually about five uh, on nbme.org. And then there's the two year world assessment tests. And I would say that you want at least three in that range of 215 to 225, um, just to make sure that that was not a one-off score that you happen to get an exam that maybe had some questions repeated that you knew or that was particularly in your area of expertise because you did an undergrad in pharmacology. So you're really good at that. And it had a lot of those kinds of questions. So I would say you want three tests that all show that kind of range close to your exam date. And then you can breathe easy and say, okay, I think, I think I'm ready. Um, I get a lot of questions about which exam is the best, um, which one is the most predictive of your NBME, of your final score, which NBME is the most predictive of your final score. 
And there's data out there and you can spend a lot of good time that you should be spending studying, trying to find that data. Um, I don't think that you need that. I first of all think that the data applies to large groups of students. So if you look at a thousand students that took, you know, MBME 27, and that was the one that most correlated with their final USMLE score, that's great, but that doesn't actually mean anything for you. That was a general statistic applied to thousands of students. So for you, it's not about NBME 27 or 28. It's about three NBMEs minimum with the score that I feel comfortable with, which is 215 to 225. And, and I would definitely not chase the meaningfulness of an NBME hoping to see something that tells you you're ready to take the exam. If you don't have the consistency over a few NBMEs of scoring in a comfortable zone. And, you know, I've definitely seen students waste hours going down the USMLE forum rabbit hole, looking for a reason that they can take their USMLE because they got a certain score on a certain NBME. And it's not time well spent. Um, it's about an average and it's about how consistent you are over those. That's what I have to say about scores. Um, any thoughts or questions? I love that, that was so good. Um, would you have any specific advice for students who are already a repeat test taker, who perhaps have already used all the assessments? Yes, yeah, it becomes more and more difficult to um, use an NBME score when you've already taken those NBMEs. So I do have a couple of things that help. Not everybody remembers questions in the same way. And there's two different types of remembering. There's remembering the concepts and applying it. So remembering that, for example, because this patient has DKA, they're hypovolemic and the RAS system is activated, and then answering questions based on that. That is not a cheat. That's remembering the concept that you would then apply the same way on the real exam. That's a different kind of remembering than remembering that there was this very weird question and this very weird specific answer and it was so weird that you remembered that the answer was this strange disease that you've heard of once. And the only time you heard of it was when you reviewed this NBME. So I tend to look at the correct answers that students have got where they said, I remembered this and ask them, what did you remember? Because if you remembered the concept, then you're just applying knowledge that you've gained. And that's a true win on the question. If you remembered the answer, which usually occurs with the slightly odd questions, with the odd answers, then that's a, that's a question that I kind of discard from the pile and say, look, if this comes up on the exam, it'll be exactly the same, probably. There's no concept here. And, you know, I kind of exclude it. It becomes a little bit of my judgment when I go through an NBME with a student that's taken all the NBMEs several times, I will ask them for each question that they got right. Did you remember it? And, um, and then 
analyze whether they remembered the concept or the specific answer. But you can do that too. You'll you'll be able to tell the difference. The specific answer is usually something very unique and weird. And, you know, the concept is something global, like the approach to the hormones in DKA or Kahn syndrome, something like that. Um, also for people that have taken a lot of the NBMEs repeatedly, I would go looking for the retired ones just to have a fresh approach. Often the way that the stuff was discussed was a little bit different and that's enough to make it a different question. But for those ones, it is true that the score becomes less and less helpful in predicting your future um, performance. And what does become useful in those exams is, hey, look, if this is the third time you're taking this NBME, go back and look at what you did the second time and the first time. Because I'm pretty sure that a lot of the mistakes you made the third time, you made the second time and the first time, and you haven't quite learned from them. And that really is highlighting what stands between passing and failing sometimes is the 10 questions that you didn't learn from. They were on the NBME. They were there for you to get and incorporate into your knowledge. And humans being what they are, we just keep thinking of things in the same wrong way. So if you do an NBME repeatedly, you have to go back and look at all of the times that you did it before. And that's when you realize I picked the same wrong answer on all three. I haven't learned this very important lesson. And I'm looking at this and I'm mad, I'm gonna learn it now. Um, so that's how you use the NBMEs. And it's true that the scores start to become less and less relevant and the things that you're getting wrong over and over again become more and more relevant. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I think that's gonna be a really helpful tool for most people because, um, I've heard people say, okay, well, if I should be aiming for 215 or higher before I sit for the exam, if I've taken this exam before, do I need to go for a higher score than 215 and then know that I'm ready to take it? So, And I would say that the, the way to look at if you want something quantitative is that you should take the NBMEs until you're not making any repeated mistakes, zero. So you just keep taking them until you learn that lesson, because otherwise you're going to make that mistake on the real exam. So, so the number is zero. That's easy to do. You just keep taking them until you're not repeating mistakes. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So speaking of repeating mistakes or numbers, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the risk that you take? Yeah. So I'm very risk averse when it comes to sitting for the exam when things are not what I want them to be. And what I want them to be is three, three NBMEs in that range. Um, or for the repeated NBME student, zero repeated mistakes. There are what I call like no Christmas miracles in this exam. So if you're getting a bare pass on an NBME, that usually, that's never gonna mean that you're gonna get a 220 on the actual exam. 
And since scores usually go down a little bit between the NBMEs and the actual USMLE, to go into the exam not having your NBMEs in range is a huge risk. And it's one that I'd have to say 99% of students that do that don't pass from my personal experience. So, you know, there's always hope, like I never want to destroy hope, but at the same time, I think that we have to be super realistic about what to expect and there will never be a miracle. Never, 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 never. There has never been a miracle. Um, the closest to a miracle that I get is perhaps when a student is scoring in the 230s and 240s and gets a 250 on the exam. That's the miracle. But there's no miracle of skating close to passing or even getting borderline failure scores on NBMEs and then passing the actual exam. I personally have never seen that happen and I've had thousands of students. So I'm very risk averse. Um, what happens though, is there are other factors. There's my rotation starts on this date. My school says it has to be done by this date. I'm getting married on this date. My, I have the family reunion on this date. And so that becomes very difficult because some things that I think it's pretty important if you're getting married, it may be less important to miss a semester. It may be less important not to graduate on time. It may be more important if someone in your family is sick and you're traveling to say goodbye. So when you have things that are pushing you to say, I need to take this at this time, I then sit down with my students and I make a list of pros and cons, but then I, not every pro and con has the same value. I think missing a semester is a two out of 10. I think getting married that you've been planning for a year is a nine out of 10. So I think what the school says you're supposed to do can be flexible. I'll give it a four. I think traveling to see a family member that's dying is a 10. So it's out of 10. And I think, you know, for everyone, it's going to be a little bit different. But I think that next to every pro and con, you need to give it a value so that you can really see, is this that important in the big picture? Because sometimes it is. And then see who wins, who gets the most points. And with the cons of taking the exam too soon, I want to talk about the consequences of that. So if I take it next week and I don't pass, that goes in the negatives section. What are the consequences of not passing when you know you're not going to pass if you've got, if you don't have the three NBMEs that predict that. Um, you're going to lose that semester that you were worried about in the first place. Um, you might lose a whole year, which is more than just that. You may not graduate with your class, which was already the reason that you tried to take it too soon. 
you've got a failing score on your record. That's demoralizing. Um, and how you feel about that is, is bad. It's, it's a big exam and it matters a lot to you. And for people who fail, we have to discuss it. It's devastating. It puts you way behind, more behind than you would have been if you postponed. Um, and it, it hurts your heart and it hurts your soul. And it makes you feel like you're not as smart as other people and you're not good enough. When perhaps the real problem was you didn't have enough time and you should have taken more time. And pulling yourself together after a fail, picking up the same cue bank and the same first aid, although I always suggest getting a new first aid if you're repeating because the old first aid has got bad juju in it. It's a bad vibe first aid. So you, you get a new one. Um, but the, the way it feels to pick up those pieces and start again, so much more energy than if you just did it with the right time, the first, you know, it's the ounce of prevention is a pound of cure. And I've actually had a lot of students develop major depression as a result of both the failure of the exam and then the act of picking up those pieces and starting again is really demoralizing and it's, it's bad. It's really bad. And it has led to the need for antidepressants and therapy and all of that stuff. It's just a huge emotional toll. And given that there's no miracles, you have to go by being really risk averse and say, if I fail, how am I going to feel? What is this going to do? How does school deal with this? What will my rotations be shifted to? And what is even the financial cost of it taking me a whole other year to do this and pay for the exam? And if you were paying for tutoring, paying for tutoring again and not working or not having money coming in during that time or missing the match dates. So, you know, I really think that you have to be so cautious and almost look at it like to take the exam, you've got to be so sure. And anything less than that, you're playing with your mental health. You're playing with your, your career. You're playing with your with your life. And it's always solvable. I tutor so many people that have failed the exams and some of them do so remarkably well. A lot of them, I would say most of them do remarkably well once they get the tutoring and they get help. But I never want to be in that place where we're solving a failure. I want to be in that place where we prepare you for success that is known to look like success. And that also gives you the confidence to go in and not have an anxiety attack because you say, oh, I, I'm ready. I, this is what I needed to show on the NVMEs. I showed it. I'm ready. I'm fine. And then the little anxiety attacks and the moments where you spend three minutes on a question to the detriment of easy questions at the end of the block, that stuff goes away. 
So it's even more likely to keep you in the passing zone. Whereas if you know you're not ready, then you're going to carry that in to the exam. One thing that was coming to mind as you were saying that is that there are certain things that are controllable and certain things that are out of your control. And I like the fact that you're really emphasizing a focus on the things that are controllable. You know, we've, we've actually done a, another webinar that we'll include the link to in this um, in the description for this video so you can access it where we talk about the things you can control for test day and how to prepare yourself for the testing center. But in terms of this, I like the emphasis on focus on what's controllable and remembering that it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? What's the long-term impact of the choices you're making now to either rush or hold back responsibly? Exactly, exactly, yeah. What is the difference between taking an extra semester off, which required all kinds of petitioning to the dean and the school and getting letters from people and really forcing your hand on taking that semester off versus not taking the semester off and finding out in the middle of the semester that you didn't pass. So therefore you cannot enter the next semester that that may actually change the whole school year for you, change your graduation date, and you're gonna feel terrible on top of it. The, the, you know, if there's a hundred units of energy expended to take this test the first time, there's 500 expended to take it the second time. And, and those 500 hurt too. It's not just the energy, it's painful to do. Nobody wants to look at that material a second time. It's really, really demoralizing. So yeah, the most risk averse that you could be as if you were jumping out of a plane and you were checking your parachute and you know, you're not hoping, you know that everything that you could possibly have done was checked and rechecked and everything that you could control was controlled. And that's, and then you jump, then you do have to jump. Yeah. I love that. To wrap up, are there any parting thoughts that you have, or do you want to maybe summarize just like the main takeaways to make sure we really hammered those home? I have, yeah, I have both actually. So the main takeaways were three NBMEs with a score of 215 to 225. If you haven't taken the NBMEs before, and if you have taken them all before, then repeat NBMEs until you are making zero repetitive mistakes. You're actually allowed to make new mistakes, but you're not allowed to make the same mistake. Um, think of this like jumping out of a plane. The consequences are really bad if you haven't done everything correctly. It's easier to do it right the first time and how difficult it is to do um, the second time. And then this is what I say when people fail because people do fail. And sometimes everything was perfect. Your parachute was perfect. Everything was great. You checked, you rechecked, you were sure. And life happens and the exam happens. And it just was like that that day. And you fail. And now you have to pick up the pieces, start again, try not to get depressed and exert 
five times more energy than you did the first time. And that does happen. And this is what I say to all those students because I do take phone calls where they're crying because they just got their score. And first of all, I think it's sad and, and cry. Acknowledge that, you, yeah, I'm not going to cheer you up because it's really bad and it, it's sad and it's upsetting and it's disruptive and you have every right to be frustrated, angry, and sad and cry as much as you want. You have my full permission. But I also say, think of all these scenarios that we read. A 29-year-old woman has joint pain and a skin rash and blood in her urine, and she's diagnosed with lupus and goes into renal failure. That's a person. That's not just a question. That's someone that that happened to. And the guy with the enlarging prostate, and they find that he has metastases to his spine. And the 12-year-old that got viral cardiomyopathy and needs a heart transplant. Those aren't just questions. Those are people. And thank God that's not you. You failed your USMLE. That's what you're dealing with right now. And it's really bad. And I, I don't want to take away from that pain, but just have a little perspective that every question that you saw represents somebody whose life was more devastated than what this is doing to your life. And it doesn't help everybody. I know for me that thinking that way really helps me deal with my traumas and disappointments, that every, every question you saw was a person that was very, very damaged, much more so than you are by this failure. And I hope that helps. It may not help everybody, but I think it'll help someone feel a little bit better about this. We hope this was helpful and that it took some of the guesswork out of the equation for you. If you have any questions or would like one-on-one tutoring, get in touch with us via our website, medschooltutors.com, via email at hq at medschooltutors.com, or give us a call, if you're old school like that, at 212-327-0098. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, share, and review us on your podcast app. And if you want more helpful, free information, visit our blog, check us out on social media at MedSchoolTutors, or visit our forum at usmletutors.com. Thanks for listening. Be well.